again, pitches. <sighs> Hello. I did that last step, huh? I don't I, know. I, I think I, I introed by saying something. What's oh, up, pitches? Yeah. Um, well, get prepared for another epic episode where you get pitch slapped, baby. And let's just get through all the rigmarole. Uh, this is Macaw Podcast Universe. I'm Jordan. That's Micah. We're married. We exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. And now, Micah, I have a question for you. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. So you picked the series. I did pick the series. You picked pretty much all the series. Um, you pick some. <laughs> I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Um, but you, so you, this is your doing. Why, yes. why we had to watch these. Yes. It's nice that there are only three. It is a nice palate cleanse between oh, uh, yeah. Dirty Hair. Well, pretty much anything else we've watched uh, and what we'll get back into for the next series. Yeah. Um, that being said, how do you feel about it now? <laughs> well, okay. What one of the things we have to watch so many superhero movies and then in turn like action movies. Yeah. And so the idea of watching a comedy that is so different from any other series we've covered as far as just what we're going to witness and see and hear was so exciting to me. And as we said in our first episode, my experience with uh Pitch Perfect 1 like the first time I saw most of it, I was like, this is really good, uh-huh. you know? And so I thought it would be a really refreshing palate cleanse. Um, I still think it's certainly a palate cleanse. Sure. But maybe not quite as refreshing as I had hoped it was going to be. They are all merciless, mercifully, mercilessly, mercifully short. Absolutely. So even though, even if we weren't enjoying anything, it's like, well, this won't last for very long. Yep. So you don't regret anything. No, of course not. I mean, we gotta okay. we gotta cover we gotta cover everything, you know. And okay. at, and at some point, you know, a man just has to look himself in the mirror and say, "I've seen all three Pitch Perfect movies," and I have now done that. Yeah. So all that being said, this movie is a hot steaming pile of garbage. It's really bad. Really, I couldn't bad. have been prepared for how bad this was. No, I thought it was gonna be more of. A, I had no idea what this movie was about. Um, you, yeah. you had thought like from what I remember you saying, like you thought maybe it's like some kind of like spy thing, uh-huh. like they got yeah. tangled up in something and it's like, well, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Well, so I thought they were going to do something that like a lot of times, and I, I, I did not think of any examples beforehand, so I'm going to struggle to get my point out, but occasionally a third movie in a series, especially one that's pretty straightforward like this, they just kind of go like whatever like let's just make a random movie mm-hmm. and so i thought that that that's what this was going to be instead of like oh let's repeat the same thing a third time that that they were like for some reason they have to go on a spy mission yeah and when the movie started i thought okay it really is a spy mission kind of like an episode of community sure where yeah. it's like they do go to community college but they're it's not it's now an episode of goodfellas yeah yeah um, and, and a lot of times that's a very tame example from that show. It's the first one that came to mind. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, again, I can't think of examples off the top of my head, but, but a lot of times that third movie is just kind of strange or yeah. weird or, or they just are exploring ideas that are strange. And so I thought that's what this would be, but this was not that at some point in the movie, I want to say relatively early on, I said they had no business making this movie. Yeah, you were real mad. I was. And I just so uncomfortable yet again. 
if you've listened to the two previous episodes, uh-huh. acapella makes me so uncomfortable. And <laughs> apparently so does just, I think people who are trying to, who are supposed to be earnestly in a band playing music we also makes me We cannot get into that yet. We, ha- we have to wait because we're going to have to unpack that probably for the next four episodes. Okay. Uh, that one scene. Uh, yeah. So this was, this was definitely a disappointment. Um, this is definitely a series that gets like each each entry is probably twenty five percent less good than the first entry because mm-hmm. we are we are in like dire territory on this yeah one. this is this is really bad filmmaking on a lot of levels um, yeah. which we are going to dive into um, so yeah are you pretty upset that we had to cover the series I'm not upset but I sure hated this movie. And I didn't really like the last one. Yeah, either. I didn't like the last one either. I defended it a little more than you did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a this one. <laughs> this goes in the camp with a few other series we've covered where the sequels are not better. No, uh, a big issue I had with this movie. There were like no cameos. Yeah. And the last movie was so heavy with cameos they also had one of the best cameos i've ever seen with yeah. the green bay, packers. green bay packers one yeah um and this movie had none like hardly yeah. any and well they recycled that joke but without uh without like a, a funny face or like a, yeah. it wasn't a very funny position. it was crazy the people like when they got into a new scene and they introduced a, a very like a tiny character of a thing doing a thing that's funny uh-huh. and it's like Oh, you you couldn't get this person, so you just yeah. got an, a like a featured extra. Yeah. When like oh, yeah. if it was the last movie, they would have gotten like Paul Rudd. Even so, because that that one part in the movie when I was yeah. like, oh, okay, so they couldn't get Paul Rudd because that was a clear, obvious like that's who the cameo would be. Yeah. To um, explain to the listener which which person you when, when you they're saw in DJ Khaled's suite and yeah. they go to the guy who's like making food and drinks and stuff. That guy just had such a like. Paul Rudd esque delivery and look about him, and if they couldn't have gotten Paul Rudd, they should have gotten Ryan Gall, is yeah. what I think. Yeah, it's like we didn't even get like because you and I have watched enough things now, and we listen to enough comedy Bang Bang for long enough now that it's like even if we're watching a comedy that's not very good, sometimes there's a comedy Bang Bang person in there. Yeah, and it makes it more fun because you're happy for them because they got a job. <laughs> and they usually provide something that's very, very funny, very charming, very funny. So, th- like, they obviously couldn't afford Paul Rudd. They probably didn't even think about it. These no. d- dumbos. Um, but they should have. But, but it Ryan was so Ball. clear that it should have been him. So clear. And and then so I and well, then I'll and t- no and, tell the other. Just hit them all while you're here. Okay. So f- the first one was when the girls get to the army base or wherever they yeah. are. And immediately the guy that comes up, it's like, oh, they couldn't get Channing Tatum. Absolutely. Like, and he kind of talked like Channing Tatum. Kind of it was talked a like weird. him, kind of looked like him, had no, absolutely no charisma of Channing Tatum, was not no. funny like Channing Tatum. No. But it was clear that they wanted a Channing Tatum type. Yep. And then this other guy, I this was more of a joke. I don't actually think this would have worked. Yeah, because he would have been too old. Too old. But he did but he look like him. He didn't him. turn into a love interest, though. Well, so you kind of he did, but, but he because I couldn't tell throughout the movie if they like. I feel like they rewrote that character th- while shooting because sure. it felt like sometimes he was supposed to be a a, a dick, and then other yeah. times it felt like he was supposed to be the love interest, and then uh, he was neither. And so, yeah, he, he <laughs> you're had, probably he was right. An Adam Scott type. 
Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah, the guy was British. That I don't that doesn't matter. Like it, yeah. it's an Adam Scott type. Yeah. And I feel like because of Step Brothers, we've seen him be such a terrible right, person. Right, right. Like I feel like they could have gone with the like that kind of angle and got Adam Scott to do it here again. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. some some version of that. Um but that that was an Adam Scott type. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you. Um and I do think those are issues with the movie. Yeah. Um so let me dive into who made it. I do have some pretty fascinating information on this movie. Uh, it's all about who the who. There's almost no production details. It's just like... You're saying the who is a part of this movie? <laughs> um, surprisingly, no. Oh. It could have been. Could have been. But uh, they got DJ Khaled instead. Right. Uh, right. Another one. <laughs> um, so this movie is directed by Trish Sai, and she has a brother. And her brother's name is Damien Kulash, and he's the front man of a band called OK Go. Wow. That's the guys that do the crazy music videos? Yes, they do. Okay. And his sister, Trish Sai, the director of this movie, has directed a ton of their videos. Okay. Including the video. The, the treadmill, the treadmill video. One? Choreographed everything. So she, she, I mean, she's got to have like a lot of technical experience. Well, this is... so. Yes, let me finish my little notes on her, and okay. then let's talk about it. Because when I hear that, I think that the movie should look and be better than this. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll talk about it. She also did their video, White Knuckles, which I don't remember what happens in that video, but I remember it being cool. She directed Upside Down and Inside Out, which that I don't the know. The plane one, maybe? That, yep. Okay. That's the, that's the one where they go into Zero a gravity. weightless uh, plane ride, and they do stuff to it. It's crazy. And then she also directed Step Up All In yeah, and The Sleepover, which came out on Netflix in 2020, a movie that does not exist. Yeah. Yeah, so I- I thought Ken Marino's in it. Oh, is he? He's on the cover. <laughs> um, I, when I see that, this does explain the lighting in the movie to me. And, and it does explain some of how this movie looks- but I would think I would think particularly the numbers and the dance numbers and stuff would be shot way better because I, I thought know, this was awful. the worst sh shot of the movies. Yes, and I'm including the performances. Um, it was just a bunch of quick takes, really. That's it was that's it. it was quick cuts, a lot of close ups. Yeah, when I mean this is like a problem in like modern a lot of modern filmmaking when people do like musical numbers and stuff they don't show off. The musical numbers like you want to you want to split the difference between like watching a broadway play and it's a movie mm -hmm. perfect example west side story steven spielberg you know there's huge sweeping takes and i know it's pitch perfect okay I, I understand that but um you know these ladies are performing on stage and there's just the camera movements aren't complementing their performances um just no. weird close shots that, and some of them really fast mm -hmm. in a way that didn't complement it, uh, and just not accentuating it. No. So I, I thought I thought that was odd to find out that she's done these videos that are like some of the best music videos ever made. Yeah, it's like what the band's known for. Yeah, um, and she's won like a lot of awards for those music videos. Of oh, course. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so. Anyway, I thought that was weird. I think the overlighting could definitely be like she's used to smaller music video sets where yeah. they where they do overlight stuff sometimes. Yeah. So that makes sense to me why that happened. Isn't that also kind of a cinematographer thing? 
Oh, yeah. Okay, like oh, they yeah. need to be the working sh- hey, together for that. Cinematographer's hands are not clean on this <laughs> okay. movie. I will tell you what. Um, the, the movie has just like the most basic coverage you could imagine. It looks so gross. There's no way they shot in another country, right? I think they, I'm sure they shot a little bit in another country. Okay. I don't know how they could get people to sign on to this movie if they didn't say you get to go to France for True. a month. Because I would do this movie in a heartbeat if I could go back to France. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very basic coverage. Uh, and and there's shots like when Adam Scott, uh, C-level Adam Scott and Anna Kendrick are talking to DJ Khaled. And it's just, I hate when you're watching a scene and you're like, oh, the person wasn't there. Yes. And it just keeps cutting in such a way and they're not really in the same shots. It's like, okay, there's DJ Khaled standing. And then they're never in a shot together, except for like maybe one shot. Yeah, and and it's just a poor. Why did he do this movie? Because he wanted to go to France. <sighs> I don't know. I I can't. I cannot unpack the layers that are DJ Khaled. I have no love for the man. Everything I've read about him, everything I've heard by him, is like this is a, like a blight on humanity. <laughs> like this guy sucks so hard. Yeah. Um. His hot ones, if you have never watched He's the folks, first hot ones, right? No. He's not. Okay. He was in the first season of first hot ones. Season. And uh if you've never watched it, folks, I'm telling you, go on YouTube and watch it. It is the funniest video. And just keep in mind he never loses. Well, yeah, he makes it clear. He quits on the second wing, which is a Sriracha wing, and he he then spends the next ten minutes of the video. While Sean continues the interviews and decides to start eating his wings as well, while he's asking asking the questions, and the DJ Khaled's like, "But you know, I'm deciding to stop, so I'm still like number one. I'm still a winner. I'm not losing. I'm winning." And uh, and Sean's like arguing with him, like he's like, that, "Well, that's you, the definition you of losing, <laughs> right? You're quitting." Yeah, yeah. It's um, I but it, that play works sometimes. Sometimes you. F- for example, like lose an election and you say, no, I did not lose the election. <laughs> and then people are like, no, you, you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't quit those spicy wings. So they're going to storm the hot wings capital <laughs> on January 6th, yep. you know? Uh, so anyway, that's what we have there. Uh, we'll talk more about DJ Khaled. Unfortunately, uh, the screenplay is again by Kay Cannon, who also did the story. But then they have a newcomer, and I think this is going to, frankly, piss you off. Mm. Mike White is on the screenplay mm-hmm. here. Do you recall who Mike White is? Mm-mm. Oh, he's a guy who wrote a little movie called Nacho Libre, and he also wrote a movie called School of Rock. Yeah. And he's the the boyfriend in yeah. School of Rock. Well, the Ned. Ned. Yeah. yeah. The boyfriend of Shel, Shel Silverstein, the <laughs> author Sarah's- of Where the, si- the Sidewalk Ends. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> wow he so there's two writers though yeah okay yeah Hmm. i would imagine i mean i could guess that maybe he's trying to do the like the like crazier stuff in the movie because the other stuff felt still like just pitch perfect classic i would like to know what version like by the time he got the script well i mean i i don't know how the script was written yeah but thinking maybe like the script they're on a certain draft yeah and they send it to him would you be interested in contributing? And he's like, oh, okay, this is an uphill battle. And, right. and he did what he could do. And that's what we got. 
Well, and that's what I like to think. Yeah, and there is something to keep in mind. I know that there, uh, there's this guy named Chris Weitz who we've talked about on this podcast before. He directed the third Twilight movie. Okay, but he's a friend of the blank check guys, and he shows up on the show every once in a while. He and, did Eclipse, the worst one. Yeah. Oh. So um, he's he, but he's been on blank check before. Yeah. And he has a story by credit on the most recent Pinocchio movie. Yeah. Um, or a screenplay credit. And wait, what's which one? The, the Tom Zemeckis Hanks one? Zemeckis movie. Okay. The just garbage movie. And on a that recent, you made all of our friends watch. Yes. Uh, on opening the night that it dropped on Disney Plus. Yes, I was curious to see. I think you knew. The movie. I don't think it was more. I don't think it was curiosity to see the movie. I think it was curiosity to see how we would be mad at you. How how mad we would be. Maybe that was it. <laughs> uh, had Zemeckis not been involved, I would not have watched that movie. Yeah. But I thought it would be an interesting thing to see what he would do. Um, it wasn't interesting. It was uninteresting. <laughs> it was it was bottom of the barrel. Um, it's sad to know that the man who directed Back to the Future could be capable of such a bad movie. And if you're, you know, if a movie's that bad, I wish it was at least attempting something. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so anyway. Uh, but in a r- recent-ish episode of Blank Check, they they kind of said that like sometimes the way that the writers guild like you know puts down their their um, what is that called like adjudication on who wrote and stuff like that for credits uh, sometimes it doesn't really accurately reflect the movie and they were yeah. referencing Chris White's in Pinocchio. Well, I remember. Okay, do they have any more information on that situation? I don't think they're allowed to say, and I don't oh. think Chris White's is allowed to say, but I, the implication was what you saw in the movie was not the movie Chris White's tried to tried to write. Because I remember they had the Detective Pikachu guy on. Yeah. Both, two people? Yeah, that's right. Um, and they both wrote the movie, but yeah. or they didn't get credit on it, and they got really deep into how it works and how right, it's pretty, right. pretty ridiculous how you have to fight for it. Yeah. Because I can't remember if they ended up having credits or not. Yeah, I feel like one of them, I think it was going to be a solo credit, and yeah. they had to fight for the second one or something like that. Yeah. I know there was a weird thing with Tim and Eric, too, with their movie that... that with the, the billion-dollar movie? Yeah, where they they were... Tr- like, if you're a, a, a co-directing a movie, you have to prove that, like, you are a team. You, you have to, like, legally prove that, like, the movie could not be made with one director. How do you do that? I don't know. Well, I mean, if you look at like the Coen Brothers movies, a lot of the, you know, the first like 10 movies or something like that are all directed by Joel Cohen. Yeah. Because they couldn't get that. But and now it, they can be directed by both. And is, if you look on IMDb, it says co-directed. Is that so is that why they always did that work around with the editor? Cuz they always do the editor is Roderick James James Janes. Janes, which is just them. Like that's not a real person. Yeah, they did that because uh I, I, like if they I'm, also couldn't get credit for editing their movies too, or something. I, I think if if memory serves, it's because they couldn't be nominated for editing or something along oh, those okay. lines. Yeah, but it, it might have been some sort of crediting rule. Instead. I feel like it like, was a crediting rule, yeah, not like a fun like just because. No, it wasn't just because. It might have been like they weren't like legally allowed to like edit their own movies or something like that. But hmm. weird stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think even when I saw Big Lebowski uh, a, a couple of months ago, um, of course, folks, I'd seen it before, but I saw it in theaters, and um, it did say it just said directed by Joel Cohen, and I was like, this is a 
I mean, it's not a later movie, but it's like the '90s, uh-huh. and they're, it's still they're still not approvable like brothers duo, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, because they're so synonymous with like. You I mean, they, get, they truly co-direct their movies. I just don't get how you can prove it without like other than being like, I clocked in and clocked out every day of filming, and so did yeah. my brother. And if you look at our tax form, we're both ta- yeah, like we're both filled out our tax forms for you know whatever however that is like and the job title is director co-director you know what i mean it's like that simple to me oh yeah no i mean um it's 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 a union issue it has to be a union issue like like the legality of it or something i i i I mean i wish i knew billion dollar movie i'm trying to see if tim and eric's how it did how the crediting did go down so they were able to get crediting for both but yeah, I remember listening to one of his podcasts and he was talking about how how much it was a total pain and so time consuming for them to both get directing credit. Dang. Interesting. So I think there's some of that with writing too. Yeah. I mean, remember our X-Men series, like Christopher McQuarrie did a draft on uh, one of the X-Men movies. And he wanted to be removed. Yeah, he didn't want to be a part of it, even yeah. though some of his stuff is still in the movie. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but... Let's get back to this movie. Okay. Uh, the cinematography is by Matthew Clark, who did A Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, he did no, Late that's, Night. That's a title of a movie? That's the Christmas Story sequel that came out last year. A Christmas Story Christmas is the title yeah. of that? Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Didn't see it. Heard it was oh, good. Oh, A Christmas Story, the sequel to the classic yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Still a bad title. <laughs> Uh, he also did, uh, I, uh, what is her name from the office? Um, Kelly from the office. No, Kelly from the office. Oh, Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling's late night, a huge flop of a movie. You know, (laughs) you know, it's funny. That is actually, um, Aaron's name, Kelly. Remember they, um, when she was new in the office, Uh Charles minor was like there and they both, it was both Kelly and Kelly. Uh, and they wanted to call one of them something different. And Aaron said, well, you can go by my middle name, Aaron. And Charles Miner said, oh, okay, great. That's a very pretty name. And Kelly, like, freaked out. That's She's like, right. well, my yeah. middle name is Rajini Gonda. And yeah, <laughs> she, yeah, like, storms right. out. And Kevin says, I thought Rajini Gonda was a boy's name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, he also did Mike and Dave Need a Wedding Date. Uh, this movie looks like a Hallmark movie. Uh-huh. It's just so bright. It's so bright. And it has that the colors very are soft lighting. Yeah. That that like everything's reflective kind mm-hmm. of, that soft hue. And everyone's like a neon. <sighs> really, really so just bad. Just all primary colors everywhere. Here's my thought. If this movie was a Hallmark movie, it's the best Hallmark movie ever made. If it's a Disney Channel movie, it's the best Disney Channel movie ever made. But as far as real movies go, it's really terrible. Really terrible. Um, but it would have looked... It, it would have looked better not not with the expectation of, oh, it's a real movie. Yeah. This would be like, wow, this is a really good-looking TV movie. <laughs> uh, the music is by Christopher Leonard, who did The Curse of Bridge Hollow, The Boys, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. The movie has a $45 million budget. Domestically, it makes $104 million. Jeez. Um, so that is 
That is an eighty million dollar drop from the first, the second oh, movie. Oh, that's second a movie. lot. Sorry, still made a lot of money though. But it's forty million more than the first. Okay, so hit worldwide. It makes one eighty five. The second movie made two eighty seven. Oh wow! Okay. So it's a hundred less on that. But the first movie made one fifteen. It's a low budget. You know, you think doing another one? I when I there there are people who are asking on the internet, and there's. Uh, you know, uh, some of the cast have been like, yeah, I would do another one and stuff. Uh, another one. Another one. I kind of don't think that they will do another one. Yeah. Um, but Or if they do, it will be like pitch perfect for the next generation or something like that. Like, <laughs> okay. I don't know how they could rope story-wise everyone back together in a mm. way that felt at all This one cohesive. barely worked. It didn't work. Yeah. And the last one didn't either. No. So, um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, in 2015, Banks had was confirmed to direct, and then she got too busy and didn't mm. direct the movie. Okay. Uh, and that's what I have for the notes of the film. Hit okay. me, baby, one more time with actors. Um. Whoops. Come we on. We have. I'm skipping past the main crew. For some reason, John Lithgow's in this movie. Yeah, who we've never covered before. Can't believe it's going to be this. Um, he is in, he is the grandpa on Interstellar. He's also in the... Wow. This is a name of a movie. The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension. Sounds good. The cover? Pretty cool. Okay. Um, and they're... Yeah. I'm going to wow. look that up while you... Love is Strange. Talking. Cliffhanger. Um, is that the... No, he he's in. I think I think he's also in the Twilight Zone remake of the uh, airplane one. Whoa, this movie looks crazy! I just saw Doesn't an insane-looking alien that popped up. Let's see, what do we got here? Six point two seventy Metascore. Okay, we gotta watch that. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I want to watch that. Cliffhanger is the Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh, I know that's not the Twilight Zone episode, but I think he's in when they did a, a soft, like they like came I'm out. I'm pretty with, sure he's in that. He's in the airplane episode. I'm telling you he is. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the one I saw before I saw the William Shatner one when right. I was young. Okay. Um, and yeah. that one really freaked me out. Yeah. Um, Really great story. Oh. Really great episode. Yeah. And you know what? The Adam Scott one from the newest Twilight uh, Zone was really good, too. That one was good. Yeah. That was different, though. But it was, like, the same idea. Okay. Because remember, he in, in that one, he was he found, like, an iPod in the... And it was predicting what was to happen? It was, like, it was like a podcast that was about the plane he was on crashing. Yeah. And so he, he was listening to it, and, you know, he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm on the plane that's going to crash. But this is, like, from the future. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool. And then that show went downhill so fast. Yeah, we didn't finish it. <laughs> Um, Matt Lanter is the Channing Tatum type uh-huh. uh, character named Chicago. He is also in Disaster Movie. He's in Clone Wars. He plays Anakin in Clone Wars. Really? Apparently wow. So. Okay. Uh, looks like. <laughs> no wonder I didn't like looks him. Looks like the movie, but I'm assuming it would be the same for the show. Probably, yeah. Um, he's also in Starcross and Vampire Suck. So he's in those like really bad <laughs> movies that make fun of other movies. Yeah. Um, Guy Burnett plays Theo. Okay. That's our Adam Scott type. He will be an Oppenheimer. Uh-oh. <laughs> he is <Uh-oh>. in <laughs> Ray Donovan. Um, the Feed, Counterpart, Bed Rest, 
and much, much more. I do want to see one thing. Okay. And then he was, he was real tough. He was real he was tough. pretty bad. But um, you know what? In, in Christopher Nolan movies, a lot of times there can be characters that just have one dimension and one emotion and that's what he did in this movie. So he'll probably be great in a Nolan movie. I mean, when, when I hear someone's going to be in a Nolan movie or a Spielberg movie or whatever, you know, or Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, it's like, fine. those guys are too good. They're yeah. too, they're too good. They're, they're cat. Their casts are always too stacked. Yeah. To the point where it's like, you're not going to like, not like a movie because that one person wasn't good. Like yeah. they're going to show up and do exactly what Spielberg needs them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's not bad. Yeah. And, an and something as far as the actors to give them credit, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of direction they're getting for this movie, and I I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to make this script work. It's a terrible. script. Yeah, it's bad, and he looked so bad in his jean jacket with the collar popped sometimes. Yeah, not good. Wow. Um, I mean, how many people of the bands do we want to cover? I don't really care. To I cover don't think them. we need to cover anybody. Okay, I did think that. Um, so Ruby Rose is in one of the bands. Yeah, she's in John Wick Two. Yeah. Um, she, she reminded me of the guy in school of rock. Like they would have been such a, they would have like rock power couple. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that is more or less new people, I guess. Cause it's mostly returning people. Yeah. Okay. Should we dive in? Yeah. For all of you ASMR heads out there, you're going to love this part of the podcast because I had to grab some chips just to carry me over. So as we talk about this, I'm going to eat these four chips. That's all you have to count down to. And then and then I'll be done eating on the episode. So for those of you who hate eating on the mic, good luck with this app. So <laughs> why don't you tell me how it starts, Jordan? Um, um, I can never remember how movies start. It says somewhere off the coast of France. Oh, okay, so we have the Which- Bellas... Hang on, before we even get there. Couch chip. I'm yeah, I'm done with this in movies. I, I'm tired of mentioning a place and saying like nearish this place, somewhere off the coast of this, or whatever. I, I first of all, I don't need the location usually, but you can just say France or just like they're not even off the coast. They're in a bay. They could just say south of France. Yeah. And and the location, I don't need it. So but that but I hate if you're going to put a location, you have to be specific or else what's the point mm-hmm. when you're just like, I don't know, east of Saudi Arabia. But yeah, they're like they're like 500 yards from the dock. Yeah, you're they're not so somewhere off the coast of France. Not even five, like way closer than 500 yards. That's yeah. generous. <laughs> so the Bellas are performing on a yacht mm-hmm. for what seemed to be just three dudes. Yeah, they're singing Toxicity. Or I mean, toxic. <laughs> toxicity is system of a down. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> that would be awesome if they played toxicity. That maybe movie... in Pitch Perfect Four, we'll oh, get that. Man. Um, and while that's happening, uh, Fat Amy flies through the glass ceiling with mm. a um, fire extinguisher, and everyone runs away and jumps into the water, and the ship explodes. Yeah. And then we go to three weeks earlier. Yeah. And we're in New York City. So here's here's what I'm going to say off the bat. I, this is like w- one of the things I wanted to say more toward the end, but I'm going to do it now. The movie starts and we see the explosion. We see that they got out safely. And we see that they defeated the bad guy because mm-hmm. it was he was in the eye of the explosion. So in this whole movie's building up, 
So there's the competition element, and that part we're not going to know about. But what we we do know is when they get on that boat and they're kidnapped, there is absolutely no tension in this movie because we already saw that they escaped. Yep. Because you open the movie with the escape. Yep. What are you doing? I don't know. So, so I mean, I thought right off the bat, I'm like, why doesn't it start with them being huddled, scared, with this guy, and he's like, I'm going to kill you if Fat Amy doesn't get here in time. And then she says, should we just sing? You want to sing? That's it. And, and then, then, then you it go to three weeks earlier. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, that's a, that's, I mean, it's not a good intro, but it fixes the tension issue. Because the last 10 minutes of the movie, I'm like, yeah, just get to it. Yeah. I already know. Yeah. I mean, of course, they're not going to kill him because it's pitch perfect, but. You just said he died. Um. No, I mean oh, kill, kill like them, the girls them. or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's just a poor way to create tension in a movie. Very bad. Watch an Alfred Hitchcock movie once in your damn life and then make a movie. It's not bright enough, those movies. I think that's the issue for <laughs> actually for those movies are very well lit. Um <laughs> so they're in New York City. Um yeah. Becca is a producer. And be prepared for me to rant on this stuff. So yeah, she's working as a producer for some rapper up and coming rapper or something hip hop guy yeah she's and made it big she's made it big apparently and they're listening to her mix but the guy prefers his mix which yeah. is clearly worse mm-hmm. but he's the hot shot artist yeah. so he what he says goes so she quits yeah so can i uh, this this already drove me crazy yeah because once again they're getting into this weird producer thing you okay? Oh my gosh, I had a piece of the chip <coughs> stuck in my throat. So you have the producer element that they're trying to add into the movie. And I, I understand being true to your art. But as a producer, your job is to make their vision come alive. Mm-hmm. And usually if you have a good producer, you can find common ground and you'll fight a little bit, but you'll get to where you're both happy. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, she has it's clear that it's just like a a paid gig. She wrote a different song with his she did. stuff. Straight up. I mean, she can just change the lyrics and use that for herself. Yeah. So I almost think like the movie should have the movie act actually I think this fixes all of the problems with her. If the movie she's like, I quit being a producer because I realize that I want to be my own artist and my I don't want to bring other artists' visions to life. I want to bring my own. So I want to write my own music. And then the whole time She's trying to write music, and then DJ Khaled's like, I want to sign you. I think you got the goods. Instead of this weird thing where she's like, I'm a producer, I'm a producer, and then they're like, well, you're supposed to be a songwriter even though you're a producer, and it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And so right, at the, right off the bat at this scene, I'm like, if, if, he said, if he comes to you, and I am very much someone who I think you need to stay true to your artistry, but if someone came up to me and they said, hey, Micah, I want to hire you to produce my song. And I came up with this great mix and they go, I don't like it. Can you just release the mix that I have? And you're probably getting paid, I don't know, five or six figures for like the, the level they're at. I'd be like, sure. Mm -hmm. Do you even want my name on it? And -hmm. they would probably say no. And then I'd be like, cool, better. Just give me the paycheck. And then I have a song that I can use for the next artist that's coming in. Yeah. It's absolutely bonkers to me yeah. how how much how little this plot makes any sort of sense. 
I feel like part of it is because when we get to Haley Steinfeld's character, we find out that she doesn't like hasn't been writing music. Right. So they just completely. She's taking 21 credits. She's not. They completely wrote that part of her character out of the movie. Cause uh-huh. at no point does she start like, cause even at, at another point they're like, so you really aren't writing anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we get to another part of the movie and it's like, okay, so there's no desire for her to write music either. Yeah. They're not even like attempting to be like, <laughs> no, no, you are a writer though. Whatever her name is. Like you have to be true to your artistry. Yeah. Never. That never happens. Nope. Weird. So she quits her job and then uh, she goes and she lives with Fat Amy and Fat Amy proceeds to tell you why two of the actors are not going to be in this movie because she's yeah. like, Bumper hasn't got over me, his, uh, but he tattooed me on his butt so he can look at me like a dog chasing its tail. And you and Jesse couldn't do the long distance thing. Yeah. He and got it, over you fast. He's got a girlfriend with a cat. And you're like, okay. Great. So those guys aren't going to be in it. Yeah. And as much as I didn't really dig Jesse in the movies, boy, I wish he was in this movie. <laughs> and then not having Bumper, that sucks. Yeah. And you also didn't get Ben Platt in this movie. They couldn't get him back for they three. They couldn't get Ben Platt. Yeah. Um, Who would have thought? But uh, she also lives with... Um, I don't think that other girl lives with them. I think she was just coming to their apartment. Oh, okay. But Brittany show- Snow shows up in her old Bella's costume. Uh-huh. Because they're all going to a reunion tonight with all the Bellas. You know where they would perform in uh, Jacksonville? Where? Take a guess. Bell Union. Yep. Um, <laughs> they're going to a <laughs> reunion tonight, and their expectation is they're going to perform there. Yeah. And they're all so jazzed about it. Yeah. So they go. Um, in this scene, it was so funny. It was like at an aquarium, and there was this balloon shark with a motor on it that was like swimming around in the air. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And they got a lot of mileage out of it. it <laughs> yeah. Was, they like, use it every shot they of use that it way scene. too much. <laughs> it was cool though. It and was, I'm but it's curious like curious how much it is. <laughs> why, why didn't you get like, um, like a tuna as well, or so, like, like a couple of fish. We had to... the budget for the one. Shark. I, I know. I'm like, <laughs> it can't be expensive. It's probably like 50 bucks at the most. Yeah. And they used it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they show up, all the Bellas do, ready to perform. Haley uh-huh. Steinfeld is still a like an actual Bella because she's still in yeah. college. And she shows up with her crew. And she didn't invite them to perform, but to watch them perform. Yeah. So it was awkward. Yeah, and she's like, well, you guys have all your big fancy jobs. And then it shows all of them like miserable and everything that they're doing. I hated the flashback. It just, no. it just looked really bad. Yeah. And it wasn't funny. No. No, no, no. This movie has uh, really... Two funny parts. It has two funny parts. One of them, yeah, yeah. There's two funny parts, and okay. one of them is a joke from the previous movie, just reused. Um, no, no. There's three. There's three because I, yeah, yeah. I we don't have to actually tally it up, but so um, this is when I wrote on my phone. It had been enough time that I said, "Movie looks so bad." <laughs> <laughs> so they do a performance. Uh, in the performance, there. Are, so throughout this movie, this is another problem I had. They have like legit snare in songs, which in you acapella, pointed out. An acapella. Yeah. And I was like listening really close, trying to be like, maybe Jordan, like, like maybe she's not as intimately familiar with acapella as I am. Which is true. <laughs> but then there, there were points where I was like, yeah, there's straight up like snaps and claps when no one's snapping or clapping. There's a snare. And then there's a kick at, in certain songs that, that, can't be made by your voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so you you can't do that. No. Uh, so I didn't like that. No, it was bad. Um, but then after the performance, they're all yeah. at the bar, down on their luck. Yeah. And um, Aubrey, I think, is that character. Probably. From the first, the, who was in charge of the? Bellas. I still don't. I the only one I know is Fat Amy. That's the only character name that I know in this. And Bumper. It is Aubrey. Man, her IMDb picture looks absolutely nothing like her. It's weird. Um, but yeah, so she says, guys, let's go perform for all of the troops. Uh-huh. Um, that'll get her mind off of all of this. I could just ask my dad. Whoa, her IMDb picture does look nothing like her. Yeah. Oh, I, I see it though. And then I flipped. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just the the makeup and then the the hair is not blonde. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that's it. But yeah, like let's go perform for the troops. Yeah. Cuz that'll be fun, I guess. So, and then this is where I get confused. So, they are going to do a tour. Okay, but th- this is just logistic stuff that's very I I I know this is just me. This is nitpicky. I understand that. But it's like how can you just willy nilly join some kind of tour like this? Your yeah, your dad's in the army or some branch of the army. How do you know this is happening, or whatever? <laughs> like your dad doesn't even show up to anything. Yeah, and then um, and then it becomes a competition, and it's like this is what why I why was... or why are we why is this it? And I know they pointed out they pointed out as a joke. But the movie's too earnest for this joke to be a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like self-referential or self-deprecating in any way. Yeah. So I, I just, um, I we did hear that burp, dang and I'm it. not cutting it out. It. <laughs> um, I, it's confusing because they get there, and then they're like, yo, DJ Khaled is doing all of this. And why also, would Why would DJ Khaled have any interest in performing for the troops? And he's not performing. At any he of this. is at the, the oh not, not so only he's, at the end. He's at the on end. tour with them. Yeah. Just to watch them. He's not just gonna like pull up YouTube and choose what who opens for him. No. So then the the bands that are there, there's a country band, there's a there, rock there's, band. It's like a it's like a Mumford and Sons type. Yeah. Um, and then we have a like all female girl rock, like alternative rock band. Yeah. And then we have a DJ and his yeah. hype man or something. A DJ and a rapper. Oh, a rapper. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I think. Um, and so and a rapper. And yeah. then it's like he's gonna choose which one opens for him. So if you went and saw DJ Khaled that year, you may have seen acapella people open for him, or a country band open for him, or a girl punk band, or the one that actually makes sense, a hip hop artist. It's kind of I a no-brainer. I have no idea, but I feel like it was they're all, he's only deciding for the last stop on this military it, tour. It was, it's not for his personal tour. I I didn't I did, truly didn't understand. And throughout the movie this. at their shows there were children there and I just didn't that, understand that logistics cuz they're in like Europe. But and these they're are on like these army are like bases. Americans stationed in these countries. I guess I guess because I know so little about how like the intricacies I of guess the families military would, could live over there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I guess I guess they could maybe attend those shows. I guess. I don't know. Um, uh, (laughs) It's baffling. I I don't even, I don't even want to figure it out is the thing. I don't know. And I think that's what they're banking on. Yeah, they are. But you can't help but try and kind of figure it out. Yeah. Even if you're halfway there. Yeah. 
but they're doing this. They show up. It, it is a competition, so they're happy about it. And then they're meeting the other groups, and they, all of them are looking down on them because they're acapella, because that just means all they do is covers. To which, throughout the movie, some of those bands are just performing covers, I think. Yeah. So, what's I don't the get rub? that. And they're, yeah, okay. Now, and before we do that, I do want to point out something that is kind of crazy. I thought about this, and and I think it makes sense. If you were a DJ artist, like DJ, him, having an acapella group open for you is actually not a bad idea because they come out, they do the pop hits. Because watching like a DJ perform, um, it's about like the dance and all that and all, and you know, like getting into it. But if you're at like a stadium watching a DJ perform, it, I can't imagine it being that fun. Yeah. Um, so, but not to diss on DJs. I mean, they 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 are cool. Not DJ Khaled, but um, so having said all that, I think having an acapella group open for you would be cool because they can play those pop hits, get the crowd amped up and into it, and like, oh, this is actually pretty legit. But they're not gonna overshadow you because mm-hmm. if you do the punk band, they might have some bangers that are like, yeah, you know. But they actually played like their own instruments and it was like pretty badass Mm -hmm. so i kind of think that it's actually a good move to choose the cover band so that's what i think i thought that was an interesting take um but when they're there and they're meeting all the bands yeah they to try to be friendly the the bellas are like let's do a riff off yeah and it's like oh god but before they do that they are introduced to the dj and he says He's socially awkward. Yeah, be, when he's not behind the whatever the it is. mic or the turntables. Yeah, and uh, and then to which the the girl who talks quietly quietly sings, "Hello, is it me you're looking <laughs> she's for?" A tear, and a, a single tear. tear streaming down her face. That was and they immediately very funny. have chemistry. That that all that stuff throughout the movie was funny and it worked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially when she started talking, it was like all it was just all that funny. was very funny as well. Yeah. So then they say, "Let's do a riff off." And and this just felt so like we just have to like this is it's for it, it feels for it felt like uh, like a Marvel movie where it's like well you know it's an Avengers movie so Captain America has to say this line and it's like it's pitch perfect you don't have to like there's not like a, a lore that you have to adhere to yeah you don't have to have a riff off yeah so they do a riff off and everyone's like oh my gosh acapella is so dumb and they're immediately like okay we get it we could do this <laughs> and we actually we're gonna do it better. And part of that is because we have instruments. Yeah, and before they even get to that, the first category they do is artists you didn't know were Jewish. What the F, First man? of all, maybe a little uh, racy? Maybe uh, not also the best thing so to do? Also, so freaking specific. So I couldn't answer that question with one artist. No. And I don't think we maybe should be answering that I, question with one what, artist. What a weird, it's just so weird. It's so weird, and it. Do- I don't think it like speaks to the people who are seeing this movie. No, like the dating John Mayer thing in the last one. That's something we can all get behind. Yeah, but I don't know what this is. Um, and and so while they're doing that, it is pretty funny though. But it is the Green Bay Packers joke, just not as funny because the a mil a group of like five military guys just step forward and sing Out a of song. Nowhere, and that was pretty. Funny. That was funny. Yeah. Um. 
But then I sit, so then the other groups get on stage and they're doing their sound check and they're continuing it where they've now changed it to zombie apocalypse is the yeah is the category. And so they're performing all the bands together in unison. I mean, I mean, as a musician, my brain With a hurts key so bad at a certain point. Yeah, key change, just random. Um, I'm just like so pissed off at the movie right now, <laughs> and and somehow I couldn't believe it because this whole thing it, it is fun to watch and it's interesting and like if it was real, if someone it's could, like watching a car accident. Yeah, if 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 someone could really like acapella groups really did riff offs, I don't know if they do. But it would be pretty fascinating to see that happen. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Like the amount of talent you'd yeah, have yeah. to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not well-versed in that, enough songs to ever participate in something like that. <laughs> no, me neither. But somehow adding instruments made it so much more embarrassing. Yes. It would, this one was like putting my hand up above my eyes and then l- I think opening during this two scene, fingers. I like looked away. I like looked, I had to look away. And I was just like, for, for some reason, this is too much. It's too much. Now- on top of all of that, Michael, Michael, John Michael Higgins. Yeah. Or is it Michael? Jo- yeah, John Michael H- Higgins and Elizabeth Banks are in this movie. Yeah. Somehow, out of the ludicrousness of all of this, they may have the most ludicrous element in this movie. In a good way or a bad way? Absolutely bad. Oh, okay. They are like, hey, we're filming a documentary, and they're just filming stuff. Of the Bellas, specifically. Of the Bellas. And they're just, like, chastising them at every turn. But there's no real explanation of why they're doing it, what they want to do with it, nothing. And at the very end of the movie, they're back to just commentating. And I, again, felt, like, embarrassed by that. Yeah. And it was so so weird weird. because then then after that, and I know this is, like, maybe taking it a little too seriously, but after that, they show footage from all of the movies that's on their documentary, and it's like, they just started the documentary. They don't have footage from two <laughs> movies ago. This doesn't make sense. I didn't take that as there was that was their documentary for some reason. Oh, they said it was. Oh, okay. He I just said, had let's checked look, out by He them. said, let's look at the footage, and then it started showing oh. that. Okay. Um, But I just didn't understand. I know that they wanted them in the movie because they wanted them in the movie. Yeah. But it was like, why are they in this movie? I don't know. And and not, not, I don't think a single joke of theirs landed. No, for me. it was like they it was like this is funny. old news, man. Yeah, that's how it felt. Um, it, that they they more than anyone else in the movie. It's it's like when you graduate high school, you yeah. leave or you you move on to do other things. Some time passes, years go by, and you come back home or something, and it's like you see people who haven't moved beyond high school. Sure, and you feel sorry for them yeah that's how that's how they felt being in this movie for me yeah i just hope they all got a fun time in france yeah so now we got to talk about it you know what i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say two words turnip top turnip top Mm mm-hmm turnip top turnip top what's that oh I don't know. It's a flashback that Fat Amy has about her dad who calls her turnip top and sings to her songs. Uh, what? He calls her turnip top. Oh, okay. So she discovers that her dad has found her? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because of the little stuffed animal on her bed? Yeah. So she discovers that her dad found her. And apparently they got John Lithgow to play it. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a pretty a 
abysmal Australian accent. There's, there's, you said it best where it's like, who who does he owe money to? <laughs> what debt does he owe? Like, like, it, it, does someone have, like, a video of him, like, killing someone or something? And he <laughs> had to do this movie in order to for it not to leak? Like, what is, what yeah, is happening? Yeah, I think he was held hostage. He was blackmailed for this. He had to have been. Very weird and very bad. I mean, he's a great actor. Yeah, and there's nothing in him for th- there's nothing for him in this. No, no, no. He was, like like they had no business making this movie. He had no business being in it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But I guess when Fat Amy turned eighteen, she ran away to college because her dad is some like drug lord. Yeah, person. which I, the joke is funny. It'd be funnier if it was off screen and she said that kind of stuff, and it wasn't like a plot point. It was a. Like major plot point mm-hmm. of the movie, a plot point that we already know the resolution to. Yes, if if I may add, but she's really happy to see her dad. By the way, to, to cut you straight off, he's like fourth or fifth build in this movie, and he doesn't get an which and is or even a with. more reason why that guy was blackmailed into doing this for some. He's bigger than all the actors in this. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this was a, a a situation not dissimilar to a lot of the movies Nick Cage has been in. Throughout his career, yeah, because he, like, he de- declared bankruptcy he and bet actually it all had no on money. Black. He bet it all on black, and it hit red, <laughs> and it was like crap. I gotta make some money. Yeah, but uh, she's really happy to see him because she hasn't seen him in a long time. He seems to mm-hmm. be a changed man. He claims to be a changed man, but of course he's not. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it for that for now. Yeah. But they go to some casino where DJ Khaled's supposed to be, and that's when they go up to a suite. We get the Paul Rudd type or Ryan Gall type. Yeah. Um, and Becca is shown some really fancy microphone. And for someone who is not a musician in any way, shape, or form, just found it so eye-rolly. Yeah. Um, and she just immediately sits down and starts creating music. Like, straight up creating it. Not now, producing it, creating it. I have to say, as cringy as this movie is, when she walked in and she was like, oh, my gosh, you got a CK-137. That's so cool. Or she said something to that effect. You, you were like, ugh. And I did tell you, I was like, that's that's something that happens. Th- this is actually the most realistic scene in this movie. And where- I get that. I get that. But no one is – like, not no one. But most people who are seeing this movie yeah. don't care about a microphone. No, no, no. I, I – it's still it, – what, what's infuriating to me is, like, to go to that distance, to name the mic, to, to do it like that. And then have it in a room that's in the... It's just pushed to the side of a room where a party's happening. And somehow she has no bleed when she's recording. No. Now, you know enough about mics that we have a blanket on either side of us. And we have to be in this room. Uh-huh. And we have to be really careful so that people don't hear what's happening and they don't hear echoes. Yeah. So the party would just be blaring into the microphone. Yeah. And those mics, that mic is, I'm assuming, probably way more sensitive than the mics that we're playing in right yeah, now. Yeah. Playing in. <laughs> um, yeah, no one knows this, but this is like how you do podcasts. As you go, te- you shrink yourself down teeny tiny. And I won't reveal how. That's a podcasting secret. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you shrink yourself down teeny tiny to where you can get inside the microphone. Um, the crazy thing, you'd think, oh, they're so teeny tiny. They're just sharing a microphone. That saves money. No, 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 no. We have to be in our own microphone. Mm-hmm. And to get out of the microphone, it's actually pretty terrifying uh-huh. every time. Because you kind of just have to like take a, l- quite, uh, a quite literal leap of faith out of the microphone so that you can get back to normal size. And I've almost broken my legs so many times. And yeah. imagine doing it while pregnant. If seriously. And, and I'm going to, that's gonna, what we do for you. That's the sacrifices we make. It is. And, and 
what I am going to tell you about is I, I want you to hear what our podcast sounds without the filter that I put on afterward because we're shrunk so low. Our vocal cords are super small and tiny. So right now, the next couple of sentences are going to be in our shrunken form, and I'm going to take off the filter I put on everything. So that's what it sounds like when we don't have the filter on, uh-huh. where I have to move us down whole octaves. Yeah. So, yeah. So you sitting there at home thinking, oh, everyone has a podcast. Anyone can do a podcast. It is actually a terrifying experience, and we take our lives into our hands every time we record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That means Conan's doing it, too. And you better believe that Obama and Springsteen are also doing it, too. Office ladies, doing it. Yep. Scrubs guys, doing it. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. our episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, when they're doing these tours, uh, I don't. I also. This is a move. This is more a movie thing. But the movies has such bad will at this point that I'm like, I had to point this out. Each band comes on stage. These are kind of elaborate sets, except for the the acabellas. Um, okay. Oh, I never realized acabella, bellas. Yeah, me uh, neither. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, they each band comes on and they play one song and get off the stage. Yep. So it's a th- uh, four song show. It's like a it's like a like if you really want to be generous, a fifteen minute show. Yeah. And that's with that's not including all of the uh, setup in mm-hmm. between sets, mm-hmm. which usually takes quite a while. <laughs> We've all been to concerts where you're sitting there and you're like, "Come on, they have to have tested that mic enough times. Can't they just play?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they also, not only did they do the whole Jewish thing that I think is a little bit on the, uh, maybe you shouldn't have that in a movie that's in 2017 that came out on my birthday in 2017. Uh, but they now have Fat Amy doing a Jamaican accent in one of the songs. Maybe, maybe not, (laughs) maybe don't. Um, and, uh, I, I did also point out it's, it's so funny that people are so down on them. Like, like they, they, they look like they're putting on like a pretty great show. They're all amazing they're also musicians. Award winning. They're award they're award winning famous. And I know, like we, we've talked about how like inherently like this type of acapella can be goofy. What but do you mean this, this type? All types. Well, like if if it, yeah, I guess cover. But I mean, like cover music, you know? Okay. Where it's like pop music and stuff like that. It it, it can be a little like you know. See our first episode. Yeah. You know, we talked about it thoroughly, but. But it's weird because I think, like, at the end of the day, you have to be like, well, they're they're incredible singers. Yeah. And these, 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 the way that they are able to, like, route these songs and, like, compose this structure dance. is pretty incredible. But a- after every show, it's like, oh, brother, the Bellas played. Yeah, you're not getting the spot with DJ Khaled. Yeah. It's so... I, I saw a Letterboxd review, which I think kind of unlocked one of the issues with Pitch Perfect. All of the movies is the the person said my biggest problem with these movies is that unless something like Amy's pants splitting open happens I don't know whether their performance is good or bad mm-hmm. because they always sound amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when you're watching the movie it's like I guess that was a bad performance cuz someone's hair lit on fire but mm-hmm. they sounded really good mm-hmm. and in this it's like Oh, the acapella again. And the whole crowd is like absolutely loving it. They're eating mm-hmm. it up. And the the backstage band members are like, 
Oh, brother. See, that's something that, because uh, in our first episode, you you felt like Pitch Perfect 1 had some fun similarities to um, Best in Show. Yes. And something that is so funny about Best in Show uh-huh. is they're getting in the weeds uh-huh. about dog shows. Yeah. They're just dogs. Yeah. But even like like commentators talking about stuff throughout that or people talking about raising their dogs and everything, it's like, but it's a dog. Yeah. And it, that's part of why that movie is so funny because, yeah. And, and I feel like they could have done that with these movies. Yeah. But they didn't do that. Where it is like they, they do in the first. They movie, do in the first movie, and then they dr- just drop it off. They, yeah, because that was one of the funniest things. Where they're just so analytical, and it's like they're just singing pop songs. <laughs> it's just so and funny. they're in college. Like this isn't their main gig. Yeah, You're, everyone's taking it too seriously. It's also very funny because I think on this podcast I have definitely grieved over the fact that like the last 15 years like modern blockbusters and movies are really like scared to be earnest uh-huh. and they always have to be sardonic and it's funny that watching these movies i'm like you're being too earnest yeah <laughs> like you need a little edge yeah like i need five percent deadpool in this movie yeah just five percent and it'll make it better you know mm-hmm. um not deadpool but you know what i'm saying yeah 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 um some self-awareness yeah so while while they're playing one of their shows Taps comes on the loudspeaker. That's their first show that they do. Out of nowhere, Taps starts playing, which means everyone has to stop and salute now, for all for the fallen soldiers. I apologize because I'm not familiar with this, but do they just randomly pay, play Taps every once in a while at Did army someone, bases? Did someone like just die in combat? And if so, why are they having a concert during the funeral? It, it makes know, no man. sense, and it's not like oh, someone was at the sound booth and messed with them, and it's like oh man, we lost our chance. Yeah, what are you talking about? The other thing is they had they were not gonna do anything. They were gonna play one show, is how it sounded from the and movie. Then it starting. turned into a tour. Turns into a tour, and the whole time they're so concerned about DJ Khaled, and I'm like, you didn't even know you were gonna play together again. Mm-hmm. Why do you care so much about this? They need it, Micah. They their lives suck. Adulthood sucks. <sighs> um, one uh, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, mm. they burn the hotel down. We're past that. Okay, and then Becca gets to open for DJ Khaled. Oh wow! Really fast forwarding. Great. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Khaled meets for maybe the worst scene in the movie. He's truly terrible. Yeah. Um, Do you think that they were actually trying to get him to be inspirational? Or was he trying to be fun? Like, were they, was it supposed to be funny? Uh, here's, I here's, couldn't tell. This is what I think happened. And I have nothing to back this up. I think they had a scripted out scene, and he didn't or couldn't learn the lines. Yeah. So he was just kind of going off the book, and they thought, if we cut to his manager enough times kind of rolling his eyes or being or translating, and they're not even in the same scene, they're not filming at the same time, we can make it look like he's parodying himself. But I don't think, I think he was probably being sincere and didn't learn the lines. That's what I think happened. That is probably what happened. Um, Because he always wins. Another one. Yeah. Um, So, in this scene, he says, I want you, Becca, person who has no original music, to open for me. I listened to that one thing that you've played with that one night. 
Uh huh. And I liked it, so I want you to open. I don't even have words to describe how little sense this makes. No. But Micah, in this world and in this story, everyone's only playing one song anyway. <laughs> right. So she did just make one song. I just think it would it would make sense if he just said, like, I want to give you a record deal. And she says, Oh, could it be the Bellas? Well, that doesn't make sense either, really. But he, but it's like, no, he 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 wants her to tour with her and a record deal. And then she's going, Well, it's my family, I can't I can't with the Bellas. Then she talks to them and they all proceed to say, No, I'm actually happy with everything that I'm doing in life. Even though they I know went out the of whole, their way the to say that they're all miserable. Is because they were unhappy. I just gotta fast forward to this too. Yeah. So um he has chosen her to open for him. Yeah. Through all of the stuff that happens after that, she does. She'll she does it. Yeah. Um and I guess this is just like his MO. Uh-huh. I'm, assume, I'm assuming he does this at every show where he's the headliner. But before his opener comes out, he likes to come out <laughs> and present the opener. Because yeah. <laughs> that is exactly what he did. Uh-huh. And it made no effing sense. Uh-uh. And it was so dumb. Uh-huh. And then she's singing her. She just starts. She just has a loop. I, you know, I'm embarrassed sitting there. Don't want to watch. Um, but then she gets all the Bellas up on stage. It's, you know, a very beautiful moment. And then the curtains behind them, fl- like, fling upward. And it was like they were trying to achieve the same thing from that John Farnham music. Oh, uh, yeah performance that no one no one can and ever will be able to create again but it was like every no no let me just say there are a lot of john farnham versions of you're the voice uh the australian singer songwriter uh it's maybe he i i've watched probably 10 of the different performances six of them in one night because we all were trying to find the one yeah and on new year's eve we just kept watching performances because a lot of them are really different (laughs) and and it's incredible even at like 66 or however old he is so good he did one like he did one like two years ago with Coldplay, Coldplay, and they did not change the key and he was still going yeah that voice trying to understand it (laughs) i couldn't believe the the man is i mean he makes me wish I was Australian so I could say, I love that guy. He's an Australian. I know, because we watched so, enough videos yeah. to know, like, oh, this is their national anthem. Yeah, this is, like, their guy. So there's there's a, quite a few performances. Just spend some time watching them. But he has the, – the song has a bagpipe solo. Mm-hmm. And there's this one where he's playing with, like, this huge orchestra, like a 50-piece orchestra. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same one. And then the curtains fly back, and there are Scotsmen walking across – playing the bagpipes and then there's another one where a curtain goes back and there's a whole choir there is it a children's choir or just a choir i think it's just a choir okay um and it, there's all these different versions and, I and think they're always several, so epic and several of them he this is like 90s right 80s, 80s and 80s and, 80s and, 90s. and i think somewhere he's in the just 90s. wearing a muscle tee oh yeah tucked into some jean oh, shorts yeah. and he's got a mullet and he has this flipping mic stand move that he can do. Oh, yeah. That's, so That's good. awesome. Yeah. Aka awesome. <laughs> I, I it's it's truly some of the most inspiring performance I've ever seen. Yeah, out of, we, out of I anything. think we all could have watched it six more times. I, I it, you talking about or us talking about it right now made me think next New Year's Eve we have to watch more. Yeah. Because we didn't get all of them. No. We didn't catch them and all. And he's never he's never even pitchy. No. I, I don't get it because that song is not – that is a high song. And if you've seen Hot Rod, you have heard the song yeah. because this is, song is in the part of Hot Rod when people are <laughs> singing, it, singing it. Yeah, yeah. But then it breaks out in a riot. <laughs> yeah. That's how that's how we discovered Ugh, the song. It's so good. It's a perfect song. Getting back to Ugh. this movie, though, the curtain goes up. And isn't it all those bands are on stage that they've yeah. been competing against? Uh-huh. So everyone won. Yeah. We're all winners. Yeah. That's the movie. 
Yeah. Because they all got to open for DJ Khaled. She she also loops herself. Okay, cool. I get it. Fun. But then the loops include harmonies at certain points that she never sang. Yeah. This infuriated me. Yeah. Now, on top of that, she, guess what? It's not an original song. She's no. singing Freedom. Yeah. Yep. What are we doing here? What is going on? Is no this one a world? Are, do no original songs no not exist in this world? I, I, I don't. I, it's so, the only original song was in Pitch Perfect 2, I guess. That's I the guess. only original song that, that lives uh so um then they kidnap the bellas and they say let's sing one more song oh, actually this is before the yeah, final before that but um fat amy's dad kidnaps all of them to get fat amy to come and save them on the yacht Apparently, she has eight, 180 million dollars that, in the that was Islands. funny when she found out how much money she has and she screamed why don't i open my mail yeah, yeah that was funny that was funny um so she, her and Becca go to save the rest of the Bellas. Um, I did also think it was funny when she was on the phone with her dad, where she's like, don't you dare her to head on any one of them except for Ashley and Jessica. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't care what you do to them. And then he gets off the phone and he's like, so which ones are Ashley and Jessica? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did think that was that funny. That was funny. There were several, I think in the second movie too, there were several, not several, like a few jokes about how those characters do nothing and mean nothing. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. For an ensemble movie. Right. Um, and then she rescues them all. Yep. Um, and it's, we know that she's going to. Yeah. There's no tension. Immediately successful. Yeah. Now, this is the funniest joke. They jump <laughs> off the boat, and Fat Amy lands on, a, like, a little skipper boat. Yeah. While she jumps in the water. That was very funny. <laughs> and you missed it, because you were, like, returning a text or taking a note or something. Fell asleep. And I rewound it, and you laughed still. Yeah. Then we have the big performance. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, we're so happy you're going to do this thing without us, and also you're going to bring us on stage, even though Khaled didn't want that. I don't get that either. And even when Becca brings up the first person on stage, the manager behind her was like, everyone go. And then uh, uh, the, the, oh, no. It's all gone. It's all gone. <laughs> they all have fun. They're happily, happily ever after. I have this in this scene. I wrote, what the hell is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and also like all the live stuff is, is shot like it's on American Idol or something. Yeah. Like it looked. Which is just weird for 2017. Yeah. I this, think. The, it doesn't, it doesn't look right. This movie just doesn't look right. No. It's not good. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I'm glad it, it's over. It's definitely like bottom of the barrel of movies we've covered, I would say. Yeah, easily. I mean, I, I really have no love for this. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else to say? No. And, and you know what else? It's not even really, it doesn't even really hit those themes of like reliving your youth. Right. Because like at the beginning, it's like, okay, they're setting up this story. There are no themes. That's the, that's it. That's the, <laughs> kind of the problem, too. Yeah. Is there, the movie's saying nothing. Not like you have to like go into writing a story. You, you shouldn't go into writing a story thinking about what's the themes. That Those should, in a lot of ways, because of you going through the process, like comes about organically. And, and then, then you, you follow those accent things. Accent them, yes. It should you know kind of work in harmony. Um, well, you shouldn't force any of it. Yeah. But at the same time, like have something. To say. Yeah, or like I thought it would maybe be about like giving it up for the next generation. Yeah. Because at the beginning when they start and the other but that Bellas, was kind of the last movie. Yeah. 
I don't know. It did. It doesn't work really on any level. No, it doesn't. Um, but it is funny that the the quiet girl once they all resolve everything and they're all like, my life's actually the best, and I didn't have any problems with it. But uh, she says, oh, Satan finally left my body, and she I talks talk. normal. My name's Esther. <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. That was funny. Um, yeah, terrible movie. Would not recommend. Um, the only worst movie we've seen in recent times is Kick-Ass 2. I would rather watch this than Kick-Ass 2. That's why I said worst movie. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I kick ass too. Yeah, that was offensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's here's what I'm gonna say. Go to Patreon.com/slash Micah McCaw. Sign up now for as little as three dollars and get an extra episode every single month. And this month you're gonna get 21 Jump Street, a, a very fun episode. Uh, get us to 50 patrons by the end of the year so that we can launch a second podcast on our Patreon, which is at the MPU goes to Emeryville, where we cover every Pixar movie. Um, and next week, we are going to be doing a movie called Blade, starring Wesley Snipes. Mm. Wesley Snipe. Snipes. Yes. Uh, and, and for those of you who are like, oh, yeah, whatever. Guys, this is the first Marvel series that is successful. This is pre-X-Men, pre-Spider-Man, pre-MCU. character. So... Get re- and you're going to also want to know, because I think in a year or two years, a new Blade movie will come out. So you're going to want to be on Starting the ground floor. Ali. Great Which casting. I think is a great pick. Yeah. Uh, as long as he's uh, not as bad as he was in Green Book, which he won an Oscar for. Well, yeah. Uh, he's still great, though. No, he is. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get that he, paycheck. I mean, remember, he was also in that season of True Detective we couldn't finish. That's true. But he was good in it. Yeah. Um. And by now, we've probably seen and watched True Detective Season 4 with Jodie Foster. And well, hopefully, hopefully we finished that one, too. Or at, at all. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Also, give us a review. Uh, and everybody, you end us. Uh, pitch out.